I particularly don't trust them in real life. I do find them endearing in TV shows, and I wish that they were as effective in real life, right? If only, if only. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Watched It, the show about shows. I'm your host, Caitlin Berger. I'm a professional flutist, but uh, my secret is that I would usually rather be watching TV. Sorry to my flute. Today's mini-sode will be a bit different since I'm actually going to be welcoming a guest instead of our producer, Jackie, and we'll be discussing the topic of copaganda as it relates to various TV shows. I do want to offer a trigger and content warning for discussions of violence, the carceral system, police brutality, and related subtopics. If you do enjoy today's show, please go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share our podcast with your friends and family so we can all talk about TV together. Thank you so much for your support. Joining me to discuss copaganda in TV shows is Noemi. Hello, Noemi. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Relaxing. And I did some research today, so I'm so excited to talk about this. Lovely. Before we get into the topic, Noemi, how do we know each other? Okay, so I was trying to trace back the years, and then I kind of gave up. (laughs) But um, we know each other from our job that we had uh, at Westmont Stationery. I think we just bonded over so many things. So it was really fun to kind of meet in that place. Yeah, absolutely. That was an interesting time in our lives. But I'm so happy I met you and that we're doing this today. I have a couple more questions for you though. So my next question is what content have you been consuming lately? So that can be books, TV, movies, etc. What kind of content do you want to shout out? Ghost Whispers. It's like older. It's not recent at all. And I don't know why I've been watching it. I used to watch it in French too. So it's interesting to watch it in English now. That's really cool. I used to see it sort of go by like on TV when I was younger, like on cable. But I hadn't ever watched it, but I'm really curious about it. So for me, I have been reading a book called Solitaire by Alice Oseman. And they're the same author of the Heartstopper comics. And Solitaire is one of my favorite books. So I just reread that recently. And then I decided to, I guess, rewatch slash keep watching the show Daria, which was a cartoon, I don't know how you'd call it, animated show. Yeah, back in the 90s, early 2000s. I think last year I went back and watched like the whole first season because again, it was on cable. So it's like the type of thing that I saw like once in a while, but never like sat down and watched episode by episode. So yeah, I watched like the whole first season, I think last year. And then recently I was like, I need something like light and fluffy just to like turn on every once in a while. (laughs) So now I'm watching the second season. I'm like, I don't think I've seen most of these episodes. So oh my God, that is such a throwback. And I had a conversation mm. recently because you mentioned cable and I had a conversation about like missing cable TV or sort of like the culture of watching TV in that specific way and running when there was like a, a publicity or whatever. And you were like, okay, I can go to the bathroom now. And then coming back, I kind of missed that sort of culture of like TV watching. And another movie that I started but did not finish is The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know why. I mean, it's, comforting but not really because it's horrible (laughs) oh yeah no that's such a classic absolutely love it (laughs) 
And then because it's your first time on the pod, hopefully not your last, of course, but because it's your first time, we want to get to know you as a TV watcher. So let us know. And by us, I guess I mean the audience because Jackie's not here today. But anyways, what are some of your all-time favorite shows? And also, which genres do you normally gravitate towards? Okay, so I think it has changed throughout the years, but I like a good like crime thriller. So like The Blacklist, Blind Spot, Orphan Black. I used to love science fiction. Um, there was this Canadian, no, I think they're both Canadian shows, Continuum and Orphan Black, really good. And then whatever category Suits is in, <laughs> I really like. I don't know if it's like career shows, like Suits is like legal drama and then Grey's Anatomy is like medicine. So I think I like those shows. I have not watched Suits. Should I? I guess I should. Yes, you should. Isn't it on your like for you page at this point? I feel like everyone's like putting clips of like TV shows. Absolutely. Suits is yeah. so good. I totally know what you mean with all these shows. I mean, Grey's Anatomy too, one of my favorite shows, which like I haven't watched uh, in a long time. I think I've mentioned it like 10 times on the podcast so far, but like now I keep seeing clips of it on TikTok and you know, it's like those TikToks that show you like whole movies or episodes at a time but like <laughs> like one video is like two minutes at a time or whatever i got like roped in yes it's so ridiculous because it's like i'm gonna watch a 40 to 45 minutes show in like two minutes that makes no sense but i'm intrigued i am following i'm asking for a second part yes i'm doing it all Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been seeing more Grey's Anatomy stuff sort of like that. And I'm like, Caitlin, just like, just go watch it. <laughs> but it's so many seasons. Oh my God. Because I think I stopped watching like season seven or eight or something. So there's been, I think, more seasons since I stopped watching than when I was watching. So that's a bit daunting. But I have a plan to like go back and watch from the beginning because the nostalgia is going to like drown me, but like in a good way. So maybe I'll do that soon. That's a good idea. I think uh, Grey's Anatomy has like 19 or 20 seasons now, which is ridiculous. Oh, it's like a lot. So I guess moving into our topic of today, we will be discussing the depiction of propaganda in television specifically. And before we get super, super into it, I want to, you know, be very, very clear, not mince words, everyone involved in this podcast, so myself, Jackie, and today, Noemi, we are completely anti-cop, anti-police, anti-prison, anti-carceral system, all of those things, ACAB, etc. We're not here to like discuss if like, I don't even know what. We're here to denounce cops in, in all their forms. But of course, it doesn't mean that we haven't been like swayed into watching shows that include cops or other kind of law enforcement people, detectives, etc. I know Jackie's a big fan of Law and Order. Uh, in my case, I used to watch Rookie Blue like a long time ago and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine more recently. So we're not here to judge anyone or ourselves for watching these shows. But Noemi actually suggested this topic and I thought it was absolutely perfect to talk about because it's so important and there's so many shows that have cops in them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's not just like a, a one or two shows out there. It's a, a huge amount. And I just also wanted to provide a brief definition of copaganda so that everyone's sort of on the same page. And I got this from Wikipedia, but like, I think it's legit. So copaganda is a form of propaganda used to describe depictions of police in a positive or excessively positive light while obscuring negative qualities, most often through mass media, with the intent of swaying public opinion for the benefit of law enforcement. So that's what we're talking about today. 
Noemi, the first thing I want to know is what is your relationship to these types of shows? How many of them, you know, have you watched? Is it something you've gravitated towards or just happened to watch? I mean, it's a very, I'd say, intimate relationship. It's very nostalgic because I used to watch them when I was growing up. That was I feel like my first introduction to shows, I thought of like kids shows. And so I would watch them with my mom and I don't think she looked at the age restriction at all. (laughs) I was pretty (laughs) young watching them, but I do feel like I started watching like Law and Order, Criminal Minds, CSI Miami. And I really enjoyed those shows. I feel like it was something that I was doing with my mom. So it was like a, you know, bonding time, but it was also just like, I really was interested. And I thought that the police worked that way. Found out it's not the truth. (laughs) Bamboozled is one of the words that I use, but no, honestly, it's, I think it's a very like nostalgic and like very intimate relationship with cop shows. Oh yeah. I completely understand that. Especially because I would say all of them, or if not most of them, are, I think, what's called serial shows. So every episode, you get a different case, a different thing to latch onto. So it makes it really easy to watch, which is nice as a TV show, but not so nice when the material has like real world consequences, of course. When I was thinking about it recently, it reminded me of medical shows like Grey's Anatomy, many, many others, where like in these shows, the cops or the doctors, they're like always such quote unquote good people, right? I mean, you'll have the random, not so great character, whatever, but like the ensemble of these shows are made up of people who are so intent on like saving your life and figuring out what's wrong with you if it's like a doctor show. But then in real life, that's like not really, at least in my experience, I don't think it's a huge amount of people's experience where like, a doctor is going to be so caring about you, to be fully honest. And then obviously with cops, detectives, whatever, anyone in that system, we're not going to be giving like 10 million statistics, whatever. We're just here to chat. But like, you can look up how dangerous the police is to everyone across the world, like literally without any exceptions. And so it's just really disturbing in that sense, because they like lull you into being like, almost like warm and fuzzy inside, like especially doctor shows, which I think are maybe less problematic, but still have a bit of problematic stuff. And then you go out into the world and you're like, oh, right. The world is not like that. Right. Forgot about that for a second. Yes. Bamboozled. Flagberg acid. (laughs) It is not the truth. And I feel like specifically with cops, when you watch those shows, you're under the impression that something is very straightforward to solve. And you're just like, oh my God, it took them 45 minutes. That was so easy, peasy, lemon, squeezy. And then you start realizing that that's not the truth. That sort of like motivation and ambition and drive to solve things is not really shared in reality. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious to know, like, what do you think are some of the more like insidious aspects of the harm that this causes? Like, what do you think is the real world harm that gets done by having so many of these shows and by having this propaganda in these shows? the sort of like trust that we expect and sort of like the shock that we will feel after understanding that that's not reality is really heartbreaking to some people. And it can be like life altering because you would think that your case would be taken seriously. And that's not the case. Just like with doctors, if you're not a man, you will not be taken seriously. Your symptoms will not be taken seriously. They'll tell you to take an Advil and go home. Well, it's kind of the same with like 
if you're not a man and you have something really bad happen to you and if you're not like a white cis man i just feel like you're not going to be taken seriously and for example we can talk about sexual assault victims and how dismissed they are by law enforcement and sometimes that very law enforcement is a reason why you are a sexual assault victim in the first place so it's really disheartening to realize that these people that in the shows are made to defend citizens really just defend poverty in the end. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I feel like over time, the TV landscape has gravitated from shows about like actual police officers to nowadays more shows are like the detective sort. And I feel like a big part of that probably also is because people in the TV industry realize that like people don't actually like police officers. <laughs> that much at least not anymore and so they've subtly been like okay well we'll at least still provide that quote-unquote comfort type show in the realm of law enforcement but let's make it about detectives because you know maybe in their minds they think at least with detectives they're trying to like solve a murder and like get justice for people etc you might even perhaps rope lawyer shows into all of this to be honest right because they're at least part of well maybe not law enforcement system but the justice system or carceral system anyway so i just think that that's interesting because i'm sure underlying these these shows like people know like okay cops are not actually liked anymore but let's still stay in the system and, and we'll at least give you detectives but it's like there's countless like you're saying there's countless instances of detectives as well being such a huge part of the problem of this corrupt system and when i say corrupt i actually mean to say the carceral etc system that works as designed which is to fuck over anyone other than a white man I think I read an article. Well, it was on Vox. The title is How 70 Years of Cop Shows Taught Us to Valorize the Police. And it speaks on how before George Floyd's death, we saw, I think it was in 2019, there was perhaps a study. And we saw that people trusted police officers more than they trusted it, like other institutions like lawmakers or like elected people in offices, anything like that. And that must have been a study in the United States. And obviously that trust shifted, right? People started questioning, how do we feel about the police as a whole? And so it's very interesting that we're seeing sort of this shift to detectives, but even detectives are at fault in some way, shape or form. I mean, I listened to a podcast. It was stolen by a Canadian, uh, well, an Indigenous uh, journalist. She works mainly in like, Calgary, but she... And had this podcast with Spotify, I believe, I'm not sure again. And she was investigating the disappearing of uh, Jermaine, who was in Missoula, Montana. And there was this whole thing about, well, the investigation and the detectives and who was taking her case seriously and what was happening with the case. Well, she had just disappeared, right? And so it was very important to be active about her disappearance as soon as it happened, right? As soon as it was notified to the police. And I think one of the detectives, it was on a Friday, and instead of maybe investigating it, they left, I don't know, to do what, I think they were going on vacation, and came back to it after their vacation. We're losing important time to know where this person is. And so when we think about even detectives, right, and making that shift, so maybe we're less attached to cops and their like sort of characteristics and their personhood, we still forget that it's like a whole system, like, all these people who are implicated will fail citizens in the end. 
So um, I remember like I was doing my groceries and I was listening to the podcast and I stopped and I was like, what? And it's so unfortunate because, you know, we still don't know where Jermaine is. Thank you for bringing up those pieces of media. We'll make sure to link to them in the show notes. And I like that you're saying this is a system. There's so many ways of, of describing it or calling it. But yeah, it's a system by which, again, to echo you, citizens are failed and very specific types of citizens. We're talking uh, Black people, but Black women, especially Indigenous women, queer people, just so, so, so many demographics. Most people, in fact, <laughs> I would say, again, apart from uh, white people and especially white men are failed by these systems and are punished. I would also wager to say that a lot of these TV shows that are depicting law enforcement, whether it be cops, detectives, etc., are probably inspiring people to join law enforcement, to become a cop, become a detective. One in particular that I would assume had that effect would be Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Have you watched it? I haven't watched it, but I know of it and I've seen like some clips. I think you cannot escape Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> it's a good point. Like, these shows are recruiting tools in a way. And it's interesting because we keep on portraying very heroic cops. It's always the protagonist. It's the only person that has the point of view that shows us, you know, their regular lives. And so we get attached right to these characters. It makes sense. It's a series. So there's many episodes. You get invested in their storylines and their lives and, and in their ambition, motivations, whatever. And so it is normal to feel like you want to be that sort of person, especially when it's portrayed in a positive way, but it just doesn't really reflect reality at all. I've also heard that sort of concept of there's no such thing as a good cop because let's say you do feel inspired by these shows, you go and do whatever one day training that it requires to be a cop, um, and then you are in now the system. The reason that people say there's no such thing as a good cop is that for most like humane people, the second that you understand what's actually going on in this job, there is not any way that you can stay in it unless you have like bad motivations, right? So maybe whatever motivated you to go into law enforcement could have been quote unquote positive or in your opinion, positive. But then anyone who stays in these jobs for longer than like a day you know, I think there's an article, but that's, there's no way I'll remember <laughs> what it was. But I remember reading something from an ex-cop who was like, yeah, there's no such thing as a good cop. Like, I saw it. That's why I'm not a cop anymore. You know, like, so it's no small thing that we're discussing here. And that's also why I like, quote unquote, like, or think it makes sense to call this copaganda, which is a, as Wikipedia describes it, a portmanteau of cop and propaganda, because propaganda is exactly what it is. Like you were saying before, these shows are a recruiting tool, and that's exactly a huge portion of propaganda, not to get super into it. But if you look at like Nazi propaganda or whatever during the Holocaust, like it was a recruiting tool, right? So anyways, a, a very, very similar thing is is happening in this realm. And obviously, I mean, I think nowadays in 2023, like so many people understand the harm that law enforcement people cause. But like even myself in the spring of 2020, I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I hadn't watched it before. And I was like, hee hee, ha ha. You like, you know, it's funny show. But like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, after George Floyd's death, trying to watch that show, my brain was like, what the fuck? Like, you can't do it. The cognitive dissonance becomes too much. And just every episode I'd watch, I'd just be like, this is such propaganda. But like, I don't even think it's on purpose. It's just like they're trying to make a funny show. But like, 
wow, like it's like once you understand this or notice it, you cannot unsee it basically. I saw a quote of, uh, I think her name is Catherine Van Arendonk. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. She wrote a vulture, an article in Vulture, and basically she talks about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, saying that it is fun, but the silliness doesn't change the way it prioritizes police perspectives over anyone else's. And she explains that, you know, all the characters that stay are police officers. Like, yes, we see them interact with citizens. Yes, we see them interact with difficult situations, but that's the extent of it all. They just interact with them. We see their lives. We see their everyday motivations, what they want to do, their aspirations. We get attached to their characters because they could be endearing. And that's the thing. And she mentions, if anything else, with Broken Line 9, the show's lightness, it makes an even more effective way to generate empathy for police who come across as sweet, thoughtful people just trying their best. So it sanitizes the police. And I feel like with one of the shows that I was like, oh my God, you're doing it like to the full extent is it's like a new wish show. The rookie it aired in, uh, I think uh, 2018 around that time. And it's a show about like a 45 year old dude. Who's like going through a midlife crisis. Who's a very nice and seems to be like a very like endearing character. And he just got a divorce and moved to LA. He quit his like construction business And he pivots into being a police officer after like helping police officers during a bank robbery in his hometown. So he has this sort of like aha moment of what he wants to do with his life at 45. And the whole joke is like, he's a rookie, but he's like the oldest rookie the department has ever had. And what's interesting is that he works with the LAPD, which is like known for corruption and has been known for corruption since the 1990s in real life, but not in the show. And he's very endearing. Like, he has a lot of empathy. He really wants to do the right thing. It's so interesting for that character to be a white man. And he's just, like, so intent on doing the right thing. We get attached to him and the other characters as well because of their characteristic. They're very enduring in different ways. And that was the intent. Like, the producers of the ABC show, The Rookie, they said that they wanted to break the mold. They wanted the series to be aspirational with an inclusive cast of actors who looked and felt like Los Angeles uh, going out there to do the job the right way. Obviously, that was aired in 2018. So that was before George Floyd's death. But they do include some sort of moment. There's like this sort of awareness of like racial discrimination within the department and with interacting with citizens. It's very like intentional in that way of doing the right thing. And that's kind of like the sort of like theme that we see in the show with other characters as well. It's in the same way like Broken Light Nine. It's not as funny or like as silly, but it is very fun and like endearing. And it really does a job of like sanitizing the police, right? And they have like one encounter with one (laughs) bad cop. And it's just like, do you really think that one bad cop would be able to work if all the department was good? Like he would have been fired by now. Like If it was such a problem and if the department was so good and so intent on having great cops, a bad cop would not survive in that system. And so for him to be, you know, he was a training officer, so he was a superior to the rookies, obviously. For him to have lasted so long in the departments doesn't make any sense. And it should have been like flagged right off the bat. But even then, it kind of fails to address like the bad cop issue of like, well, there was one bad cop and it's like yeah but if he's just the only one that he should have been out already so i don't know it's a very interesting dynamic in the show and i i enjoyed the show i really liked it but i still recognize that 
you know, there's a lot of things that just won't work with cop shows because it is inherently a cop show. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I think I'd heard the title of the show, but I had never, I don't think I've seen any clips or anything like that. So that's really interesting. And I was curious if you were going to sort of mention the demographic of the main character. And I was like, I wonder if it'll end up being a white person or not. (laughs) Lo and behold. But that actually sort of touches on a question I have for you that you can answer or not depending on your comfort level. But I'm curious if you would want to touch on like, for lack of a better way of saying this, like diversity in cop shows, like especially racial diversity. Because when you have a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine that has a relatively diverse cast, especially like Holt, I think, who was the chief or I don't know what, in a more position of power, who's a black man and a gay black man. Do you have any thoughts on how that intersects with copaganda and what effect that does that have? Because you would think that like, you know, maybe the producers or whatever are like oh look at us like we're being so cool it's not just white people on the show but because the show is about cops right there's like a an intersection there i always say like slapping a few colorful <laughs> like characters and then thinking that your job is done with structures that are so deeply rooted in racism and discrimination like in any form i think it'll take more than just taking some people who are of quote-unquote diverse backgrounds and then putting them in a group if you're not able to really assess and really like get deep into what's the problem with this industry or this field yes we can celebrate you know a diverse cast because it still is something that hasn't been done and I think you know it has taken a lot of time but I don't think that's where it ends and I feel like a lot of you know producers or even in other fields, people just think that that's it. You know, like you have enough black people in the team, you're fine. You have enough, you know, Asian people in the team, you're fine. I think we're going to mention George Floyd's death a lot because it was a very pivotal moment in the way that we perceive just like, how do we interact with one another? And then how does that translate to like the workplace? And what do we do with that? And how do we make sure that people are included? I think a lot of the reflections on this specific topic kind of fell short. Like we had a big two years of thinking about it and implementing EDI practices or whatnot. And then people are still facing racism. People are still facing, you know, discrimination. It almost feels like we were thinking so much about, okay, what should we do? We have the EDR practices, but then we kind of stopped thinking and it was like, okay, like this is enough. Like it was too hard anyways. Like that's it. And it's like, well, it's going to be harder (laughs) once you realize how rooted this problem is, right? So I'm like, yes, you can celebrate it. And I understand people celebrating it because it is, like, interesting to see. But at the end of the day, it's still, like, a cop show. Like, it's still cops. I particularly don't trust them in real life. I do find them endearing in TV shows. And I wish that they were as effective in real life, right? If only, if only. I don't know to what extent this is like revolutionary, you know, but I do understand the importance of celebrating it, especially in Hollywood. Yeah, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. I I completely agree. It's always going to be a nuanced conversation because it's different things. It's the Hollywood industry, it's representation, it's cops, it's this, it's that. It's like so many systems and things intersecting at the same time. It sort of also makes me think of during pride parades or pride marches when there's cops present. Even when there's like companies present, but like whatever, if we're just going to focus on cops today, like where it's like cops are like also celebrating at Pride and it's like y'all realize that like 
you are and were one of the main ways of how queer people were abused and oppressed was through law enforcement. (laughs) Like, you know that, right? Why are we pretending that like, it's okay to have cops at Pride? It's obviously, you know, a larger conversation maybe, but it just sort of reminded me of that too, where we're supposed to be like feeling like I mentioned earlier, like warm and fuzzy about the like quote unquote good cops because they are like nice and they care about us and stuff. And it's like, no, no, I don't know how many times we can tell you no. <laughs> so yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow for some people. And I wanted to add another comment because I was reading the article, the Vulture article, and it was really good. And it spoke about, well, because we put cops at the center, we can't help it but be attached to those characters. And I'm sure someone will ask, well, it's a cop show. What else do you want us to do about it? Like, it's literally about cops. But the writer mentions that a show like Orange is the New Black was radical because it flipped the viewpoint. And so we could understand, like, law enforcement and, like, prison guards, but through the point of view of prisoners. And that was really, like, a aha moment for me because I was like, okay, that's true, like, we can still interact with the thought and the reality of cops, but through another point of view. And so I think, especially with what you were saying about cops at Pride, the thing is there's no conversation being had at all. We're just throwing cops at an event and saying like, oh yeah, they'll protect you. And it's like, well, there needs to be some sort of relationship for me to trust that you will protect me, first of all. Like, okay, let's disregard that you're cops. If we want this to work, there needs to be, you know, a relationship. I'm not going to trust anybody for just whatever reason in real life. Like you have to have some sort of like relationship where you know that there will be accountability if something happens, right? If you're wrong. And I think that's also some of like the grievances there, whether it's like queer people or black people or any sort of other minority where it's like, I'm not sure that you will be held accountable for your actions if you brutalize me. And so it's like, how can I feel safe in that sense? Like, yes, you have a gun. Yes, you have some sort of training, which is very short training. But how can I trust that if you do something wrong, I can still be okay? 1,000%. I I echo everything you're saying there. And it leads me to a a quick sort of anecdote or explanation of something, which is that When I was a bit younger, because I'm still young at 28, but when I was like in my late teens, early 20s, I didn't yet realize I was neurodivergent. So whenever I was like watching something with someone, I would talk a lot. And so I've since like calmed that down. But when I would talk, often I would say things like I would remark about something problematic that I was watching. And one instance, for example, was like I was watching New Girl with my then boyfriend. I don't remember what episode it was or what I saw on the screen, but I pointed out something problematic, like sexist or something like that. And I'll never forget the guy I was dating was like, oh, like, can't you just like turn your brain off? Like, it's just TV, like just watch, you know? He was like, not mean about it necessarily, but like, he basically was just like, shut up. Like, it's just a show. You don't have to like think about this. And so the reason I bring this up is because I think it's a valid like thing to think about. Like, is it okay or not? Or should we turn our brains off? Or can we turn our brains off? So I'm curious if you have thoughts on that in terms of how it relates to cop shows, especially again, something like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which you know you were alluding to in the Vulture article about how it's almost worse that it's funny because <laughs> it makes us feel more safe and everything. So what would you say to someone who says like, whatever, it's just a show, like just turn your brain off when you watch it? 
I mean, I understand it though. Like I want to turn my brain off. I wish I could turn it off. I wish that girl in my head could shut up, but she can't. I'm tired. So I get it. I get the desire of wanting to turn your brain off. Trust me. I try every day. And I mean, when I'm watching cop shows, I'm definitely trying to turn my brain off, but then something inside me cannot. And that's where I'm like, when I watched the rookie, I was like, this copaganda is insane. They're working their very best. And I have my my best friend who was watching another show. I can't remember which one. And she was mentioning, I was like, was there a moment, like a Black Lives Matter moment in your show? And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh my God. And it's like every show, you can't escape it. So it's very like intentional. So even when you try to shut your brain off and be like, you know what? I just want to watch you solve cases for 45 minutes. And I just want that to be the story it almost ends up not being it. And obviously there's reality that comes in because the show runners or whatever feel a responsibility to address it. And when they address it is when I'm like, you should have just not said anything. We could have gone through it and not talk about it because it is so far-fetched, right? This sort of like idea that within one conversation, a cop will change the mind of people who are being brutalized. And that's it, right? No repercussions or sometimes some repercussion, but to think that just one conversation suffices and like it, it erases sort of like the hurt that has been done to a community. And sometimes it's more than one episode, but it misses the mark every time. And so even when you want to shut down your brain, you're just like, well, I guess I'm watching this now. That is so relatable. <laughs> like when you're talking before about like, you wish you could just like turn the thoughts off and everything. Yeah, hyper relatable. And I also think just to add on, because I agree with everything you said, and I probably said that this whole episode, but like, I need to say it. I agree. I think it's also easier for some people than others, right? The person I was dating was a white man. So like, yeah, it's very easy for you to shut your brain off because then you do go out into the world and you don't have to care. I mean, we weren't watching a cop show, but even so, just like you can turn your brain off a lot more than other people because you know already that you're not going to be harmed when you step outside. So whether this show has a good or bad influence on the real world, either way, you'll probably be okay. It's the same thing for me as a white woman. I know that if I interact with police, which like, fuck, I don't want to. But if I were, I know I probably would end up safer than a black woman or an indigenous woman or so many other demographics that I don't share. So all that to say that it's not realistic to just say that these are TV shows or just like, oh, it's whatever, because not everyone has the privilege of not actually experiencing the harm that these shows might cause in the real world because of the propaganda that they're spewing. So as we're sort of wrapping up, I want to ask you if you have other things that you wanted to mention or bring up as it relates to this topic. Just kind of how like war movies are like pro-war and they like promote war and they're a recruiting tool, especially. It's kind of very similar with cop shows. But then again, I'm not judging you if you're watching a cop show. Like I still love CSI Miami. I think it's because it's so nostalgic, but also because I don't know. I just enjoy it. It's fun to maybe run away from life and think about something else. But when you really start thinking about it, or sometimes you don't even have to really start thinking about it. It's just very like obvious. That's where it becomes a bit difficult to kind of disconnect and be like, okay, this is like missing the mark on everything. And it's very interesting because like I said earlier, like, you know, this is like the rookie is about the LAPD and we see shows about the NYPD. And those are like, 
some of the most corrupt police department in the United States or like even in North America. And if they make a show about like La SBVM, which is like the Montreal police department, I'm going to scream because, oh God, they're just a mess. Okay. So it's just like these things are so far-fetched. I understand they want to try to do the good thing and address very serious topics. And sometimes I feel like we see it with other shows, not really cop shows, where a show wants to be very woke in a sense and like have all the characters possible of every like minority group. And they say like very like weird, quirky things and it's just like missing the mark again. I don't think that that is particularly the answer either. I don't know how cop shows will like solve themselves or like salvage the damage. I just think that's the issues that you run with when the nature of it is a cop show and the nature of cops is like very deeply rooted in discrimination and in power dynamics and in violence. Could not have said that better myself. The only small little thing I want to add is that, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious where the TV industry goes from here. Of course, I've mentioned this in multiple episodes as we're recording this. There are ongoing strikes in the US for the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild. The TV industry, we have no idea where it's going, to be honest, anytime soon. But just sort of uh, as it pertains to cop shows, I'm curious if they'll become outdated. I mean, I think so. I think they sort of need to. Like we've mentioned, there's no shame or, or judgment in watching shows that already exist. But in a way, I'm like, I think we don't need new ones. Like, I think we can all agree on that, at least. <laughs> um, because also, like, what? There's nothing else to do. You know, you have Law & Order, you have Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you have all these sort of iconic shows in, in their own right. So even by those standards, I just, I'm like, okay, I think we can, like, stop making new cop shows. Let's, let's maybe do that. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. We'll see how they evolve. But I don't think they will evolve more than what they are. I mean, like you said, like how many other cases can we have type of deal? So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they're they're going to last a pretty long time. Yeah, I, I would assume so as well. Noemi, this has been a pleasure. Despite the more serious subject matter, it was an absolute joy to have you here today. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on. It was so much fun. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, it's already over. No, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Where can people follow you online if they would like to keep up with you? Well, I'm not very interesting to keep up with, but <laughs> we have- I disagree. <laughs> I have a radio show. Maybe you can link it because it's in French and I'm like, I can't spell in English, y'all. I'm sorry. Link it wherever you want. And if you speak French, it's really fun. We're coming back this season. So we're very excited. Woohoo! Super, super fun. Thank you so, so much. And I think we had discussed maybe having you back on to talk about good girls. I don't want to like get ahead of myself, but that'd be super fun. So definitely people can let us know on social media if they want to hear us talk about good girls and the answer is going to be yes but like it's still good to hear from audience members thank you so much noemi thank you and that's the show you can find us on instagram threads twitter maybe who knows uh but also tiktok at watched it pod or by email at watched at gmail.com please let us know what you think about today's topic. You can comment on our social media posts. You can DM us. You can also send us a good old-fashioned email. That's why we tell you what our email address is. Send us an email, please. But anyways, happy, happy watching and see you next week.